Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to AmazingFBA.com forward slash 392. Ladles and jealous spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven and even eight figure Amazon private label and custom product sellers. I've lumped together private label and custom, but today we're going to talk about custom product design with our guest, who is Jason Beyer from Crowdspring. Crowdspring's kind of a really highly curated nine design, 99 designs, but that's pretty unfair because 99 designs doesn't really go as deep into complicated um skill sets like industrial design product design but you guys do so jason first of all welcome back to the show thanks for coming on thanks great to be here and uh, custom product design so obviously uh one of those things that sounds really great and really terrible so custom product means you could differentiate yourself which is the the mania that we will have rightly if anyone who's actually sold a pure private label product knows how quickly the competition gets horrendous particularly on amazon but or over the internet as a whole on the other hand it sounds really expensive and difficult so let's deal with the first question. Should we go custom product? Why bother with all this difficulty and expense? Well, yeah, I think you mentioned it. There's a lot of options, right? So you can find a solution for your problem and you're overwhelmed with the different options. And custom designs allow you to solve something very specific for this audience, right? And so you're able to see what's working on the market, what's not, what's visually, visually appealing, what might be working as a utility, but it's just not as visually appealing. It's not It's not crafted with love. It's just too much of a utility. It doesn't look nice sitting on the shelf or sitting out in the open. And so there's a variety of ways to approach this, but you, you said it best. There's just a lot of competition. There's a lot of people trying to do the same thing. And custom products allow us to differentiate, to solve the problem more uniquely, and more importantly, to charge a premium. Um, that's not, you're not wrong with that. So I guess that charging a premium is obviously the goal that everyone wants, particularly coming into sort of straightened economic times. I guess that's going to be a bit more challenging. So the first question is that, okay, we get to charge a premium on the back end, but doesn't that mean that it's going to be extremely expensive on the front end of the, of the development costs? Sure. No, it doesn't have to be. When you look at, there's two parts to bringing, oversimplifying it, right? There's two parts to bringing a product to market. You have the manufacturing pro- process and the design process. And what we found is that the manufacturing process has gotten a lot easier. You read about Shoe Dog, the, the documentary or uh, autobiography on, um, on Nike's founder, Phil Knight. And, you know, it was difficult. He's having to try to figure out how to make the manufacturing process through waffle irons. I think he was melting rubber and it's a very complicated process, very, very difficult. 
Today, there's a lot of companies out there where you can have your product like on Zometry and have it CNC'd by somebody locally. And my brother-in-law has a CNC machine. The price of these have come down. So you could do it yourself in the manufacturing process. There's a lot more ways to connect to manufacturers. The challenges is on the design side. How do you actually create a design? You have maybe a visual idea in your mind, but difficult to kind of put down on paper. Certainly nothing that you can manufacture from. And so this process has typically been very expensive. And what we did at CrowdSpring reduced this price by 10 to 50 times what you would traditionally use to, to, to go through the design process. And it's not just about the cost. It's also about the style of options. And so at CrowdSpring, what happens is you get dozens of different custom designs for each project. And so we have 33 categories of branding and design. So everything from logos and website design and custom illustrations, company and product names, but also the product design. And so the product design, you're getting dozens of different custom designs back. You're able to iterate on these ideas. You're able to say, you know what? I really like how this designer solved this problem but I like this one over here. We're going we're gonna to combine these, right? We're going to start to give feedback. And it just creates a, just a wealth of ideas for the business owner to say, you know what, here's the direction we're going to take to get this product manufactured. That's all very reassuring stuff. And I think that there's a, as you say, there's a perception that I guess is a hangover from if you've been reading too much uh, She-Dog. By the way, I listened to She-Dog as an audio book a while ago. And I absolutely loved it, but it was a different world, wasn't it? I mean, that the problems he had were very different in the sense that on the one hand, there was a wide open market, like almost nobody sold running shoes apart from a couple of big brands, Adidas, which were big competitors, but it just wasn't a thing. So like they had Virgin, Blue Ocean, and on the other hand, it was a nightmare to create the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All the sort of experiments with nearly poisoning yourself by with a waffle iron and trying to create perfect kind of soles for the shoes and stuff. Absolutely. We don't want to be- Makes for good stories later. It does. Yeah. I, I also wanna... don't want to leave the idea that these have to be complex projects with completely blue oceans, right? I yeah. mean, it's difficult to try to come up with something completely new and completely different. Sometimes what we're doing is just trying to get some attention in the market. And so we worked with Barilla, the Italian pasta maker, and they used our product design category to design a pasta shape. Okay. There's been like zero innovation in pasta shapes for hundreds of years. They're pretty much set. They're simple. They're, we can expect them. And Barilla said, you know what? We want some innovation in this space. We want to get people to pay attention to Barilla because when you go to the pasta aisle, there's lots of different pastas, right? What's going to stand out about Barilla's brand as opposed to another? Something as simple as designing a new shape, right? And so they use the product design category to design a new pasta shape. Got a lot of different entries, a lot of different excitement around this, and we're able to launch a unique style. So it doesn't have to be creating this huge product with a completely blue ocean. It could just be innovating within your space and creating a little bit of excitement. One thing that's that can be fun is we built focus groups, this tool, into our product, and we offer it for free. And focus groups are helpful because you can take some of the designs that you like and get feedback from your audience. And this is important for two reasons. One, this is the audience that's actually purchasing your product. So it's great to be able to get their feedback on these designs and see what resonates, what they like. The second thing that's really exciting is it's a very intimate experience to be able to give feedback to a brand, even if it's a small brand that people haven't heard of, to be able to be reached out to by the owner, by the founder and say, hey, would you give feedback on this? It's an intimate experience. Imagine if Nike came to you, Michael, and said, hey, 
we're launching a new shoe. We'd really like your paint. You're one of a few people. It's like, oh, I'm honored. Thanks. It's an intimate experience with that brand. And so focus groups are a way to both get feedback as well as build a little bit of brand loyalty. And uh, it, it makes this process a lot of fun is what we hear, getting these designs and trying to figure out which one's the one to go with. Really like that. I think making product design more fun is definitely good because for the motivation for the entrepreneur, it's always just a slog and you seem to spend a lot of money paying money and then getting something terrible back in my experience. And then you pay more money, you get something moderately bad back and then you pay more money and you get something good. And then you have no idea whether it's going to sell. Whereas if you're getting feedback along the way, any process that enables early feedback means that you can correct course early. And I always say to people, look, if you're Think about business iteration workflow, which is what we do as entrepreneurs. We don't run an existing corporate that the earlier you correct, the cheaper it is. So if, if some, if everybody in your focus group says these pasta shapes are absurd, we're never going to buy them, then you might have a problem and it's cheaper to junk that at that point. And I was thinking of all things, I, I see that Barilla is actually Italian owned. Most Italians I know are just vehement about the fact that nothing should change in the next hundred years about pasta. So that's hilarious that. They've actually got a bit of excitement going. And I can imagine the controversy right. itself will be a lot of fun because my wife's a member of various Facebook groups like Italians Mad About Food. And if the, the Americans are always creating pizzas with 55 toppings on and the Italians love to get angry about that, which of course makes for a fantastic conversation and buzz. So I guess you could even go to the controversy angle, but that sounds great. So what else, what are the other practical things we need to think about then? If we're hiring an industrial designer, we go to CrowdSpring, we go through some kind of process, I presume you, you check what kind of product you want to sell, what kind of budget, what sort of things do you need to consider? What are the parameters to consider, whether we use CrowdSpring or whether we do it ourselves elsewhere? Yeah, we've created the CrowdSpring process where you don't have to come to us with a lot of information. You really have to come to us with the idea and some of the parameters. Now, the more parameters you can get, you can provide, the more specific our designers can be, right? So we'll have some products where we're creating a charging station for electric cars, something very complicated and expensive, and they have tight tolerances. They say, here is the dimension that everything has to fit within. Uh, here's what has to be here. We need you to make the shell, though, visually appealing to speak to this audience and stand out on the roadside. So that's something very specific. And then we have others come to us and say, look, here's the problem I'm trying to solve. I'm trying to design a flower pot that's not going to rot the roots. And so the water needs to be somewhere around here. And I'd also like a fluorescent or an LED light connected to it. That could be it. It could just be the idea phase. Because when you start to see the designs come back, many of us that come up with ideas, we don't have the designs necessarily in our head. We just have the solution. When you start to see the designs come back, you you have unlimited iterations. And so you can work with the creatives and say, oh, you know what? This is taking the wrong turn. Let's Let's shift it back this way. Let's make these modifications. I forgot to tell you about this challenge. And so you're working with the creatives through this process. And it, it typically takes about a week, we find. It can be done quicker. It certainly can be done longer if you need more time. And there's an unlimited amount of back and forth. And we've pre-screened these creatives specifically for their ability in product design. You mentioned 99 Designs. One thing that we do is that everybody who joins the platform is a creative. We screen them for that specific category. So just because you can design logos doesn't mean we allow you to design packaging materials for products. You may be able to, but you have to prove that skill set to us. And then you have an ongoing reputation score that follows you through the platform. And so it's a heavy emphasis on curation to make sure that when we tell you we have these product designers and we have 200,000 creatives, so we have a lot of people 
that specialize in each of these categories. We're telling you these people understand you. They understand how to communicate to you about product. You give them a direction and they can ask questions, they can guide you, and they can move this project along. So it's you don't have to come to us with a lot, but if you do have very specific requirements, like we've worked with LG to design a cell phone, obviously they had some requirements. It's got to it's got to be, whereas sometimes we're working with an entrepreneur solving a problem and it's a unique tripod for photography equipment and they have the problem that they're trying to solve, but they don't quite know what that looks like. Great. So that all sounds very creative and positive. Now, here's the bit that always strikes me and let's deal with, I think the crux of the issue is this, that creativity starts with the problem and diverges into lots of possible directions. And then you pick one option, right? But whereas manufacturing, mass manufacturing, I guess is implied by the word manufacturing. Um, which is implied by the ability of Amazon to sell hundreds or thousands of, of units sure. a month and indeed other e-commerce systems. Not uh, Other systems are available. I'm just more familiar with Amazon. But here's the thing. Obviously, that implies reproducibility, scalability, and all these rather uncreative type words. So what strikes me is that sometimes I've seen that people have a wonderful design that on paper, as it were, on a CAD design of some description, makes sense. But that requires special tooling, a really overly complex manufacturing process. So how do we square the maybe sure. existing manufacturing relationships we have in, say, China or somewhere else, uh, where they have a certain sort of process workflow in the manufacturing and that design? How do we get that designed for ease and cheapness of manufacture, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah. And so it depends on where you're at within that design process. If you don't have a design, if it's just an idea, right? Then start with the product design category, get that idea, find something that you like, get a, you're going to get dozens of different directions, you know, that you're going to be able to see. And then once you have that, once you have that cadre, once you have that design, then you start shopping that around to the manufacturers and you have something you, now you're not talking about an idea. You're talking about a physical product for them to work with. And then once they see that physical product, you're going to have to push back more than just here's the price to manufacture this product. Okay, the follow-up is, what is driving that price? What is within this design? What's creating this price? And then you'll find out, we've got to do this entire process just for this one little element to your design, and it doubled your price. And then you can, once you get this feedback, once you understand, uh, you need something to show the manufacturer so they can give you a price. Once you start to understand what's driving that price, you can come back to the product designers and say, okay, here are the designs that I like. Here's the direction, but here's the challenge that we're running into. We've got to get rid of this aspect, this feature, but we can't lose the functionality. How else do we do that? And then you create another design. This is why it's so incredibly helpful to have a resource like CrowdSpring that's affordable. Because if it's saving you 10 times the price that it would typically take to create this, you're able to reiterate, you're able to come up with new designs based on feedback from manufacturers. Wow, this is fantastic stuff. And this is one reason, really, I was excited to get you on the show when you got reached out, because we've got so many people wanting to get on the show these days, which is a quality problem to have. But this is the crux of it for me, because you're going to go through something like this, in my experience anyway. And uh, a friend of mine puts it in the, I think Tesco is one of the big supermarkets in the UK, has this bronze, silver, gold sort of sample that they get back from manufacturers. And that implies you're going through an iteration process anyway. But the difference is there isn't really a designer involved. There's some entrepreneur who has some idea of design and they're not really a specialist in that. So you're iterating anyway, and then you're looking at the price and fighting with them anyway. But if you've got a designer on the other side of it, that's an affordable thing that unlocks a whole different process for me. And I think this is just a, 
if nothing else, the reason that I wanted to get you on the show and the reason that I think people should check out what you're doing at CrowdSpring, they may make their own decision that it's not uh, affordable for them or the right process, but at least it will get them thinking in this way because I feel very excited about this because goodness me, it's such a difficult problem to solve, right? Give us an example of when you've had somebody who's been struggling with this and how this process has actually helped them. Yeah, I've got to be careful about examples that come to top of mind because we have very strict intellectual property concerns, which maybe for some of the listeners are thinking, okay, I've got this great idea. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 392. I don't want to share with CrowdSpring designers for fear of it being ripped off. We were founded by an intellectual property attorney. He litigated for 14 years. And this is baked into the core of our DNA is strong intellectual property protections and privacy around these designs. Because we work with thousands of agencies who trust us with their clients because they want to mark up the price to their clients 10 to 15 times. And we keep these relationships very private. And so I think that's a core differentiator outside of just the price of it. You know, an industrial designer, and, and this is really what we're talking about. When I say product design, there's a kind of a bit of a controversy. Do you say industrial design or product design? Typically, what we're talking about is industrial design is this type of, I need to design a cell phone or a charging station or Barilla pasta shapes. This is industrial design. Product design is a little bit more focused on, on we see it in, in web and mobile products. Our category is titled product design because that's what most people use to search, right? Most of us are going to search 3D printing. We're not going to search by the, the correct term additive manufacturing, right? And so we've named the category based on the types of searches that we find for this. So the beautiful thing about an industrial designer who's good at what they do, and this is why we curate so heavily, is that they merge together form and functionality. And I think as entrepreneurs, we think about the functionality side of it. You know, we think about, oh, this product needs to do this because it needs to solve this problem. But the form aspect of the design is so critical because the form is what's going to sell it, right? The form is what's going to sell the problem. It's what's going to uh, make it appealing to sit out inside of a home or office where it now serves as a piece of marketing, right? It is selling itself to other people that come in. It's creating that that sense of ease that makes somebody want to use the product. This is all part of the form, right? I think the great way to see this, there's a lot of different competitive ways to solve the same problem. And one thing I love doing is getting on Etsy because Etsy is a unique marketplace that shows you the sales, right? It shows you how many sales were had of a product. And you can find very specific products to solve a problem, right? So we were looking at AirPods holders for Apple products, and you could find multiple different products selling the same thing. And you find those, they're all working, they're all doing what they're supposed to do. But some are different in the form factor, some look different, some their product photography is stronger. And you can see this translate into the sales, there's no guess, right? I can see like, you designed a better product. It has both form and functionality, and you're being rewarded for it with sales. I can clearly see that on your page. It's telling me how many people have purchased this. And so, you know, the core about industrial design is we want to merge your ideas as an entrepreneur, your ideas as a business owner and understanding a market with somebody else's ability to build, help build that brand and build a product 
with form that 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 excites the consumer. Does that all make sense? It does, and I guess that's the reason why Apple took the humble MP3 player, which in itself is jargon, like you using the word product designer, because that's what people actually type into Google, presumably rather than industrial designer, as you say, a 3D printing rather than additive printing machine or something. And I guess people, it used to be that computers were a thing for nerds that would use things like MP3 and speak in sort of hex code, whereas normal humans wanted things like the, the, the classic sales pitch for the iPod was, I think, a thousand songs in your pocket, which as a marketing thing is genius. But the form of the product itself was slick and you could put it in your jeans and it looked good. And, and so the, the whole, again, talk about the brand identity, as we talked about in the last episode, there was a complete wholeness about the form. The function was good because they produced products that seemed to work. And the messaging was slick and simple and what's the word consumer friendly, mass market friendly, as opposed to nerd friendly, right? So, I mean, that that's, I can see all of that. And I love that hack with Etsy as well, seeing the relationship between form and sales, great proof of concept there. So I love that. This is great. I mean, this all just makes you want to jump on and CrowdSpring and hire a designer and get cracking with some of the product lines that I've had in my mind for a few years and been blocked about doing. This is inspiring stuff. If people want to come and check out what you do, what, what in this sort of industrial design or product design category, what specific things you guys offer and how do people get started? Yeah, so it's 100% money-back guarantee. So you're able to see these designs. You're able to see the different directions this product could take, regardless about where you're at in the manufacturing process. It's nice to move forward on an idea maybe you've been thinking about or talking about for years and get this first step done, get the design made, and then start shopping that around to the manufacturers, right, to see what this looks like. So if you go to crowdspring.com forward slash categories, you see all 33 of our categories. It's a fun place for any entrepreneur because you start generating a lot of different ideas about different ways to use some of these categories. For example, one is custom illustrations, where you're able to communicate very complex subjects very quickly, right? We process visuals thousands of times faster than text. So sometimes me visually showing how my product solves a problem in the marketplace is going to be received much quicker, especially if it's just in one of the Amazon thumbnails sliding through. We have to be able to communicate this value proposition quickly. Sometimes the product can't do that in itself as well, whereas a custom illustration could do that nicely. And so if you go on to, you'll also find the product design category. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's very easy to get started. You, you can start up at any time. We have seven day customer support if you get stuck, but you don't have to talk to a salesperson. It's not like an agency relationship. Excellent. So yeah, it's not an agency type. So it all goes really through the interface. So you can go directly hire some people. So 99 design styley. So that's, uh, yeah, it's great. I think it's uh, quite unique in my experience. There's quite a lot of people out there on places like free up or whatever or not free up to be fair is amazon specific but things like what am i trying to say fiverr or upwork or somewhere like that where it's really hard to know what on earth you're going to get it's not very curated to say the least to put it politely in my experience even with relatively simple things like photoshopping amazon images i've had some pretty horrific experiences <laughs> and that waste a lot of time so kissing your frogs to find your prints is better to go for, straight for the prints and yeah, the fact that you guys deal with the industrial design side is really exciting because that's, it's neglected. I mean, people off your own bat are either going to be overpriced or it's overly complex or you can't find them and all the rest of it. Great stuff. Jason, is there anything else I should have asked you about the whole industrial design side that I haven't? No, I think if you go to CrowdSpring's categories, crowdspring.com forward slash categories, you have the industrial design category there. We show all the projects we can talk about are there. 
you'll see this idea of form and functionality that we're talking about. All of these were driven by specific need within a product organization. Some are first-time entrepreneurs launching their first product. Others are multinational companies with innovation centers that are trying to push the boundaries of what's possible in their products. And yeah, I would just say we have to innovate. We have to do this because somebody else is. (laughs) Somebody else in our category is focusing on creating the best product for both functionality and the way it's viewed. And so we want to get a leg up on them. Yeah, absolutely. We have to innovate because somebody else is. Yeah, that's well put. That's like the modern world in a nutshell, really. I think the days when the suppliers had the edge over the consumers because the means of production were scarcely spread and difficult to get. We're talking about the 1970s, right? And look, in certain categories, we may be back there, but in general, we're not there yet. So I think you're right that we have to compete and we have to do a better job. And if we can find a way of doing that is joyous and fun rather than just stress. That's all the much better for us as entrepreneurs as well. Final thing to say is simple, which is Jason, you've opened my eyes to a lot of exciting possibilities of what seems very affordable and doable process. So that's really a great thing. And I hope that other people listening have found the same as well. Jason Bayer from CrowdSpring. Many thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 392. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.